and my sister rang me up and told me and it was just like a wounder I was like what um didn't we know what to do but then I was just like let's do beats and it because I just sort of bought music maybe that other people were listening to or whatever and then it was like I'd go, I'd go in through the music and I was like I think I think I like hip-hop I remember first going in the record store and it being really intimidating like shit all these guys are so cool they know what they're talking about and I know nothing you learn all the tools and all the techniques so you know when not to do them that's what I think it's like I don't need to use this technique here because that is already good welcome to episode 48 of toy division this episode is with Frenic, whose background music is playing right now and is the person whose music is the majority of background music on toy division podcasts please subscribe share with your mates and we were already talking when I pressed record and we were talking about the fact that people think I've got some tech editing software on my computer or a studio to make Toy Division. Sorry to shatter the illusion. Anyway, enough of this bullshit. Please enjoy. Good music in it. Like, it does loads. Yeah. Well, it was it records. Um, do you know what I mean? It records, so you can do anything you want. It was Gatekeeper. He was just, he came around one night. I was like, yeah, I want to learn how to record. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get Cubase or um, something. And he was like, he was like, well, what have you got? I was like, garage bands. And he's like, let's just fucking use garage band then. Yeah. And I was like, I think, all right. <laughs> I think people were making like, stuff's made on like four track tape players. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. No, I need, like, fuck, I need fucking. I need this. I need this. It's like, nah, yeah. you could just, you could wait, you just loop a four track. It's just, it's just a four track, but you can do infinite tracks. Do you know what I mean? Infinate track. In, I probably can't do infinite, but might as well. I'm going to do an infinite track mix. Yeah, I'm working Next. on it. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, <finished> soon. <laughs> that's a good segue. So I've actually been recording for the last... 30 40 seconds so we're already starting to talk about the subject so just to let yeah. everyone know um there is an intro on these episodes but anyone that's listening uh this is an interview with the person who does the music or most of the music yeah for toy division now the reason why that i'm interviewing is other than him being a very close friend for many years is that people that's are right. like what's this music who's it by <laughs> and I just keep saying it's Frenic. Check the show notes. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Google it. Google this man. Um, you can spell it. Yeah. So it's F for Foxtrot, R for Romeo, E for Echo, N for November, I for India, and K for Kilo. Oh no, sorry. No. C for Charlie. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm k- <laughs> You're like uh... you bastard. Imagine that. I'm like, yeah, my mate Frenic. Yeah, but with a K. No. <laughs> <laughs> Some no, people just put it that way, you say. Frederick with Obvious. a C. He's a complete C. So, um, yeah. so I guess I wanted to get you on, and you know, people have asked about because the intro is one of your tracks. Um, no words, isn't it? Yeah. So I used that for the intro and the outro, and so, I've got another mate who lives. He's a he, he, he's a he's a friend through other avenues, but he. He's like, don't ever change the intro and the outro music. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right, amazing. all right. Oh man, well, that's great. I'm glad you. I'm glad you're using that one, man. Because yeah, um, obviously, it means quite a lot to me that track. Um, 
because yeah, basically I was making that when I found out my cousin died. So oh. I just, <laughs> I just, did you, did you know that? I had, I think I'd read in the, the, I think I, because I listen to, I listen to your tunes all the time. I think it was on YouTube. I think yeah, there was yeah, something in, it's like a dedication in, on there. Yeah. Yeah, and, man. So yeah, it's my, my, my cousin, Matt, is basically literally my age. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of weird when you lose someone that's like, do you know what I mean? You've known that much when you're like a kid and it's your age and they're dead. And I, I was making music at the time and my sister rang me up and told me. And it was just like a wounder. It's like, what? Um, didn't we know what to do? But then I was just like, to do beats and it just, and obviously that found that, found that kind of pretty melancholy piano sample um, and started like building on that and then just went mad, like deep on like playing like sort of this weird synth kind of crackly thing I made to go over the top of it. Um, so, you know, I really love that tune. I kind of dedicated it to him. Um, and it's awesome that it's like on your podcast because it just means it's going to sort of keep getting played and kind of keep it, keep that memory alive. You know what I mean? Well, to be honest, because I use it the intro and I try and keep the intro as short as possible, probably as we're talking now, it will actually probably be playing in the background. So um, yeah. I think there's definitely, um, there's definitely, it's almost like when I then listen back to it, cause I normally will just check it on and on a Friday, I'm so selfish. I put it out the exact time that I want it mm. on a Friday when I know I'm going to be going out for a walk and like hearing that and I'm just like, it's just, I just get this feeling of like, Oh, it's such a nice, and you know, that feeling where it's like no words and correct me if I'm wrong, I guess it would have been just, you had no words for that actual situation and that feeling. And then it's like, there's actually also, again, those different meanings. It's like, not that most of your instrumental tracks, well, obviously the definition have words on it, but it's, it's, it's just multi-layered. And I think people, you know, people say, who's that intro and outro music? It's like, yeah. did you get that specifically made? And I was like, no, <laughs> but it seems to fit in so well with that kind of, and someone else said, as soon as I hear it at the end of the episode, I'm yeah. kind of like really happy, but gutted because I know it's coming yeah. to an end. And I'm like, mate, that's, 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 I mean, if, that's, if there's anything that was trying to sum up that um, music, exactly that, isn't it? it was trying to sum up like yeah me thinking about my cousin which is a good thing and then that he's gone like which is a bad thing which is a weird thing to think about and it is i mean it's perfect sometimes you obviously you think about your own life and everything else don't you in those times and yeah it is definitely like you got no words for that sort of stuff and it's like i hope like you said i think it has got a bit of hope in it it's sort of um nostalgic and it's kind of it's like memories and thinking yeah that was that was wicked do you know what i mean but it's over kind of thing yeah so that's pretty mad that you've used it on the podcast in that manner um and people are actually locking into that so it's sick isn't it i think it's a beautiful track uh, again we'll, we'll go deeper into some of your other stuff but it's... deeper than that <laughs> <laughs> watch out <laughs> <laughs> the double entendres are flowing um, um... <laughs> I wasn't even the double entendre. Oh, whoops. <laughs> We're going to go deeper than that. Out of ga- the double entendres are flowing out of your mind. <laughs> um, so I guess, oh, that's that's another double entendre. Oh, uh, yeah. No. I don't know why. I'll just I'll make it yeah. into something. Um, so just to give Sorry. a bit of... <laughs> it's all right. 
how dare you be connected to anybody but me right now um <laughs> this is the borg you'll be assimilated so um so yeah that track is not the one that's just super well known but you know for 40 ish episodes uh i've been using your music as the background because i think a lot of and also uh, george b uh, who's also okay. on he's on your, my label yeah on your label i've used some of his tracks as well they're really they're really nice as well they've got a totally different sort of flavor but they're really yeah. soft and mellow because yeah he's got a kind of yeah like jazzy kind of vibes to his stuff and i don't know if because i i most podcasts don't have music in the background and mm. i when I first started this podcast, I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to not be your usual, like, it's conversations, but I wanted to have more of a kind of, you know, that feel when you listen to Hot 97 and they've just got yeah, like yeah, yeah. a beat on loop or like it's yeah, a yeah. freestyle yeah, thing yeah. where they just, and I love that sort of, you know, you and I both love that type of stuff. But also, and, man, it's obviously your uh, podcast trying to get, it's obviously graffiti, right? And it's trying to bring in like the elements, isn't it, of the hip, of hip hop. Um, so obviously trying to keep that, represent that bit of it, it's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. And also it not have to be the same sort of like, it's it's not, I would put, I would, you know, and the whole thing about um, having rights to actually play it, like I'd be chucking Premiere in there, I'd be chucking yeah. Pete Rock in there. But as you're a really good friend, I was like, do you mind if I use your tracks? And you're like, yeah, yeah use them, just go for it and credit it. Cool just go for it and i did put on a couple of first episodes i put a few of mine in i like snuck them in and i was nice. listening back to it and i was just like nah nah <laughs> i probably because I, I think the thing is, is and this is a common thing is when you start making something you've always got that feeling of like especially if it's your own it's like it's not good enough oh no 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 it's, it's not good enough so let's let's and dive it, into that then let's dive into yeah how you got into making beats, how you got into music, because I think it's yeah. really important, because I know you well, I know your history, but yeah. you know, your music, creative music career has been so varied. And mm. I think let's dive into the summer stuff when you've been like, been to Europe and been like, oh mm. shit, I'm mm. actually somebody here. And I didn't even fucking <laughs> realize this. So how yeah. did you, you know, where, you know, where, where did you, what ends did you grow up in? And <laughs> so what area did, where did you grow up and how did yeah. you get into music in general, really? Yeah. So I was pretty far away from the ends, I think. I was like in, yeah, as far away as you can get, like in Oxfordshire in a little village. Um, just a village boy, really. Do you know what I mean? Um, and like nearest town was like Oxford with like nothing kind of going on musically or anything like that. So Today, man, wasn't even like that into music to start with when I was like in secondary school. Um, it was, I always tell this, so I'm also a lecturer, music lecturer as well. So I often tell this story to my students when they, when they get there, give them a little background of like where I'm kind of, how I got into it. I'd always say like the, the person, the, per so the person who kind of got me into music, if I think about it, um, was this, uh, was actually a metaler um, called Wormy. Um, Obviously not his not his given name, um, <laughs> but he was like a proper metaler, the long hair, like Tipex drawings all over his bl black blazer, like do you know what I mean? He was like listen to like death metal, um, and everyone just sort of took the piss out of him for it. Do you know what I mean? In school, it was just like he's a weirdo, 
like weird wormy weird music but like i always remember looking at it as kid and thinking like he never backed down like he never backed down from loving this thing i, I didn't understand it but he loved it and i was like damn i haven't got anything like that like what do i love do you know what i mean so i kind of went back to my house and went through like my cd collection and i was like be honest with yourself like what do you like out of this stuff because i just sort of bought music maybe that other people are listening to or whatever and then it was like i'm going through the music and i was like i think i think i like hip-hop <laughs> this like realization of like i think that's why it is i like so i was like okay then let's get into it and like so it was just go to hmv in oxford and buy hip-hop and obviously i've it was this is like early 90s so obviously i'm uh, hitting it at the right time so i'm like we go out we get obviously we get doggy style snoop dogg we get um the chronic dr dre we get um what else um, those are the first two things I remember like being really into and being like, this is sick. And then my mate Westwood was basically, we saw, there was, oh, oh, I don't know if anyone remembers this, you might remember it. There's an old TV show called The Word, like on Channel 4, um, which which had a lot of good music come through there. Like Nirvana played there for the first time, Cypress Hill played in the UK there for the first time, stuff like that. Um, and he said, on The Word this Friday, there's ninja rappers from New York. <laughs> And we were just like, yes, like, let's go. That sounds up our street. Let's go. And they're called the Chu Chang Wangs or something. Like, the name, like. <laughs> so we just set off into like HMV. Um, and we went, obviously, W, right at the bottom of the shelf. I remember it so much. There was there was two tape cassettes of 36 Chambers. And me, me, me and Westwood got one each and we just went home with this like with these and the picture on the front with them all in the hoods with their faces like covered out and we're like what is this thing and it's hard for people to understand now that like you know America was so far away and so exotic and like this music was rare you couldn't find it really you had to, it was all like it's American import you couldn't hear it anywhere you didn't have any internet to listen to it on so we, we sort of clutching these tapes going back home and then you stick up, we stick on, you know, Wu-Tang Clan, 32 Chambers, that opens up with the Kung Fu sample and all the skits and this crazy, rowdy MCs of no, like, choruses. There's a whole team of, like, interesting kind of, like, superhero characters. And we, but that was it, basically. That was the kind of, I'm now, I'm, this is my thing, sort of, this is it. Like, I found it. Um, and then, yeah, like just carried on collecting hip hop, really. And at that point, like I said, I'm a village boy, isn't it? Like I'm not like ever thinking I'm. I, I didn't think I could be in the Wu Tang Clan or something. Um, it's like, yeah, you just think I just I'm just really into it. Like how how can I get more into into it? I've bought loads of tunes. How can I get more into it? And then I was thinking, like, should I buy like a? Because I didn't even know how these music was made. So I was thinking. How are they doing this? Do I have to buy like a bass guitar or a guitar or something or some drums? How do you do hip hop? And then well, some mate was like, oh, you need turntables, don't it? You need to buy decks. Um, so I started looking into that idea, like see if I could DJ. Um, and I remember I was listening to the rap show. This was like one Tim Westwood. He doesn't get enough respect, honestly. That's so just to clarify, your mate Westwood is is a person oh. who's not actually Tim Westwood, just to yeah, clarify. Yeah. And if it's people not, don't who's... Good point. Good point, well <laughs> yeah, made. Yeah, my mate, my mate Westwood, yeah, just hanging out with Tim Westwood <laughs> in his like, late 20s and you're like 12. No. So ironically, we could, 
The only reason I call my mate Westwood is because we're in, we got into hip hop together. So um, his actual name's Westbrook, like uh, Chris Westbrook. Shout out um, to Westbrook. Yeah, big big shout out to him. Um, obviously, yeah, we we hug out and listen to hip hop together, so we end up calling him Westwood. Um, and actually, you did get to meet Tim Westwood in a, 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 um, a festival. We got West. We got a photo of Westwood and Westwood. It was pretty sound actually. We were like off our chops. We're just like, Westwood, <laughs> just like ran at him. Um, and he was he was interviewing some other girls who were also off their chops. Um, but yeah, afterwards he just came to chat to us for a while, and we got a photo of him together. He's like, "You got to meet Westwood." Um, he was pretty sound to be fair. Um, but yeah, where was I? I yeah, not being not wanting to get more into hip hop. You're up to Dex. Someone Dex. had told you you need Dex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I was going to say about the rap show. So someone had told me you need to get Dex. I was into it. I was like, right, I'll get Dex. I'm going to get more into hip hop. And then, so I started listening to what DJs were doing. And then on the 1FM rap show, there's this DJ called DJ Go from the Mixologists. Oh, thing. yeah. Um, and he was like 16 and he was on the rap show DJ and he was cutting it up like Cuba, just like, and I was like, six, I was 18 at the time. So I was just like, no point. <laughs> yeah, no when point. you when you're at that point in your life where you're like, oh no, there's someone like who's yeah. 22 and I'm yeah, 19. Yeah. Might as well just yeah, not yeah. bother. Might as well just not bother. Yeah. Or I, like you, you find out like you get into it and you you know when I first started to try and scratch DJ, saw something by A track and I was just like, now nah, I just gave up. I literally just was like, oh, nah, so you it. you were, I li- so I've been listening. I listened to some of your podcasts, obviously, and. You were saying similar stuff to when you were starting writing, innit? Yeah. Like where you're just like, you just see the people who are already better than you, that are younger than you, and you're just like, what's the point? Like, why bother? <laughs> what's the point? I'm like 14 and there's someone who's like nine who's better than me, might as well give up. Yeah. Might as well never yeah. bother ever. Because that, that's the thing in your mind, isn't it? Where you think, yeah. I'm this old, when I get yeah. to like 23, Not- I'll be dead. So what's the point? <laughs> Exactly. Well, I gave it a good try, but I, I think one of my one of my mates was like, "Stop being so stupid, just get him if you want him in it." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay." And obviously, a good decision um, because yeah, getting Dex was like a little just it was like a just opening a door on another bit of the scene that you didn't have access to before. Again, I sound like an old person, but pre-internet, getting Dex meant you had access to vinyl, which meant access to lots of records you couldn't get on CD or tape. So. It was again this, and that's kind of opened me up to the whole world of like trip hop and stuff. That's why I found like Mo Wax Records, James Lavelle, DJ Shadow, a very massive influence on me. Mm. Um, that's why I kind of find all those records was through de- getting decks and just like we didn't even know how to use them when we got them. We just like I just I bought them. Me and my mates Barney, Dan, um, just used to hang out in, in my room, smoke loads of weed, and just play the records. Like we didn't really and just go. To, you know, put the next one on, put the next one on. Maybe blend like the little bit that didn't have any beat on it um, and just mix between them and just do that for hours and just have, love it. Did you buy a mixer? Yeah, I had a mixer and two decks. Like the decks were terrible. They were, they were, uh, they were Omnitronics, belt, like belt drive. Oh, good old like, belt if you drive. Touch, if, you, if you actually dared to touch them, they would just like explode. But, um, <laughs> but they were so, it was so much fun just playing this like, you know, underground exotic music from places you haven't heard of. You know, you have to get to, you know, have to go in the record store. I remember first going in the record store and it being really intimidating, like 
shit, all these guys are so cool. They know what they're talking about. The beard strikes someone else on a different yeah, episode. They probably, just... they probably, they probably cool. I was just like young and terrified. Or the chin strokers, because they're like, mm, okay, yeah. Because mm. he was <laughs> describing how he went into like his the first ever like graffiti store he ever went into was mm. I think it was in Munich. He's called Mighty Weenies, which is yeah. a funny name. And um, <laughs> he said how he went in there and was really intimidated. And he was like, oh, you know, when you go into like a a vinyl record store and you've got like the proper OGs who know every yeah. fucking every 45 yeah. like not by that are you they know <laughs> they know that that break <laughs> and um yeah anyway so I cut in um but yeah you're saying it, so they good. were belt driven yeah um decks. and yeah it's just a nice it was just such a nice thing just just playing this music and getting to know this little scene you know and like I said I wasn't really attached to it like I didn't think I was going to be like you know, in a hip hop crew or anything like that, because it didn't seem to appeal to me that idea. Because um, everything I knew was like people were either like in New York or in LA, and you know they're telling you their stories of kind of mad lives they led and kind of as gangsters or drug dealers or whatever. Um, again, you never really put yourself in that situation. Do you know what I mean? Um, I would say it's kind of like it's kind of like watching a documentary. It's like watching or like watching The Wire or something. It was just like you put it on your headphones and just like transported to these mad places and listen to these stories and actually get a feel for it. You didn't know anything about that. Nothing else telling me about it. Um, and then I was obviously had a kind of, I really liked the beats. I was really into the beats side of things. And a lot of the time I'd be listening to the beats and I'd pick up on the rapping, like third, fourth listening, and begin to lock into like, like actual words more. Um, it'd be more about flow usually when I was listening to stuff. But then it was, it, again, it was my mate Barney who introduced me to DJ Shadow on one of our like record shopping trips into Oxford in my little clapped out Nova. Um, yeah, it's pretty sick. Um, didn't got you get twice that? At the park. Didn't you, didn't you um, buy that Nova in the town where I grew up? But yes! <laughs> and that's true. I got it I got it from, I got that Nova, that crappy Nova from. I basically I rolled my Beetle with uh, with my mate. I had a I had an old school Volkswagen Beetle, and I rolled it through a, like a hedge um, about five times and managed just about not to kill me and my mate. Um, and so I had to buy a Nova as penance, I think. <laughs> and <laughs> and I picked up and it broke down on the way home. Shout out! I'm not going to go and beep out the the actual name, but shout out to. What a shit! Oh, you beep out all the names, by the way. I remember because obviously everyone gets beeped, didn't it? Oh no, I won't be beeping your name out and your. You your, should beep, you... Out, beep out my mates' names. All right, fair enough. <laughs> no, if you want joking. me to. <laughs> joking. You'll be like, yeah, yeah. I mentioned you on the on the Toy Division podcast, and they're like, oh yeah, cool. They'll listen oh, in. And it's just like beep. Beep, beep, and they're like, yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, my mate, beep, and my mate, beep, mate, beep. <laughs> Will I sound cooler if you beat them out? Um, it basically, <laughs> normally when I beep it out, it's where someone hasn't really thought and they're they're actually potentially going to be incriminating themselves. Yeah, I get uh, it. With... <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. No, let's just do it for fun, just to sound fucking cool. Anyway, okay, so you went and bought a shitty Nova. And you've gone to Oxford, and you, you you just about say got robbed twice. It got robbed. Um, I, yeah, I, I the park and ride in Oxford was a nightmare. Got robbed. My got first. I got robbed for my car stereo in my Nova, and I left it there the next week record shopping, and they took the speakers as well. So this is um, the interesting thing about somewhere like Oxford because it's known for the university and Cambridge. 
but they're not the most. I guess just to give this idea to people, because I know that people from around the world listen to this podcast. Mm. There's often this idea that the UK is Harry Potter, and it's like this really like. <laughs> and ironic, ironically, a lot of Oxford is literally Harry Potter because it's where it was filmed. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been, but it's behind like these closed, gilded gates. Do you know what I mean? The only time I've seen inside like some of the Oxford things when I was like a delivery man, I was doing like white van driving and. You could get in behind and you'd walk through these, past this gate, and it's amazing, literally Harry Potter world. But you know, if you live in Oxford as a normal person, you don't get to see that stuff half the time. Oh. It's a bit of a divide in Oxford, you know, between kind of, like I said, Oxford University and then just sort of quite dull, towny culture, honestly. Sorry if you live in Oxford and love it, but <laughs> that's how I, that was my experience at the time. Was, was, there, was, there was not many places to go and hear like interesting music, basically. There's like the Zodiac and there was like the Cellar, like the two, and occasionally the Coven, it used to be called. You could go, basically you had a choice. You, had, you could go to like meat market, towny, you've got to wear shoes and a pastel shirt and get your head kicked in. Or or you could go to the Coven and playing like uh, house music, dance music and people doing speed. And they had a gay night on a Sunday. So if you went there, everyone in school was like, oh, you went to that gay club, innit? <laughs> yeah, the night no, which, was a, which was a perfect bad thing back then. No, it was a perfect. It was a perfect deterrent to all the idiots, basically. So they'd be oh. like, "No, we're going. It's going, mate." Um, and you're like, "Excellent, they're not going. Brilliant." So then so, it, it was like the underground, basically. You could go go to these go to these clubs, and it was like an underground, a bit of a different scene. But so I guess to give people terminology, townie is yeah what would be described in the UK. So maybe there might be, you know, the word chav. Um, maybe no, it's- Bristol, quite... Bristol, it's jitters, mate. Jitters. No, jitter is a, is jitter. a, a grunger. Oh, it's the opposite of a townie. Because a me, a meter. Yeah, a me, yeah, a, yeah. You're a, a fucking, yeah. a meter. Because it's South Mead, isn't it? Meter. Either you're That's a meter or a jitter. Right. <laughs> Complex. British terminology. Well, basically, <laughs> if you skate or you have any alternative, or if maybe if you show a bit of intelligence, then yeah. you basically just get chucked under. You're a fucking, you're a fucking, what was it? A, yeah. a grunger. I used to people drive past me, you fucking drunk grunger cunt. Don't stay there, grunger's gonna kill ya. Just like, uh, we're just all we're doing is skateboarding in a car park and <laughs> we're having death threats chucked at us. But, yeah. you know, that, that kind of, I remember going to like a club and wearing like a smart shirt. I did it once and I just remember thinking, this is not me. And there was a fucking huge punch up. It was the first time I've ever seen a real fight and it was just someone getting, and there's one guy was on the floor and he was just being kicked in the head. And I was like, this is not me. But weirdly enough, weirdly enough, I, through graffiti, I ended up almost putting on this fake, Mm. uniform and persona yeah. shaved my hair got rid of my glasses until i moved yeah. to bristol and met people like you i was living yeah. that lie and living this kind of lie yeah. that i was a tough guy because it was like a survival strategy anyway yeah. so you'd, you'd been going so, to oxford so, i mean got your that, nova that... robbed got your nova robbed um and where, where was i oh yeah we were just to say got into dj shadow thanks to that so we're on one of these one of these trips into Oxford to get records, which we did like at least, you know, once a month, if not more. Um, and we were driving home and my mate Barney said, oh, you'll, you might like this. It's sort of like hip hop. 
and he put on uh, Midnight in a Perfect World um, by DJ Shadow. Amazing. And it was a bit of a mind blower because it's like if you've if you've heard that tune, it's kind of it's got like a, it's got like hip hop breaks, but it's got this mad like melodic piano sample. It's obviously his whole that whole album um, introducing is all kind of just made out of records. Basically, it's all other people's records put together in this big collage. And that's the first time I sort of listening to that. I was like. Because it's it's so like DJing, do you know what I mean? Like DJing was like blending these things together, other people's tunes, and listening to that introducing album, you can hear it's like each track's like DJing a load of tracks at once, or in a way, it's like pasting together all the things you like, you know, in a in a collage basically. And sort of suddenly, I had this. I that's something I could actually do. I could actually get into that. Do you know what I mean? It felt it was like a way in to making music. And then it was just a case of how do you go about it? And, you know, our, the only tools we had at our disposal was a computer, really. He had a computer. My mate, Mikey, he had some, he, he found some software, found like an old Cubase. We just started just pasting together bits of audio. You know, we'd find some drums. We'd find, actually, before Cubase, we were using just the, um, it was like the Windows audio editor with like one track just one track of audio you could cut it and move it and reverse it and we just we just basically made like a i meant like a four minute long weird little cut and paste compilation from bits of like hip-hop cds sick do you know what i mean um so it's just like again just getting involved and trying to begin to like piece together bits of stuff we liked um and this was all kind of still in oxfordshire i was living with, a, with some mates and stuff um but like i don't know my wife was one of the main reasons obviously my uh, now wife she's my girlfriend um and just pressures of living in that kind of bizarre world of oxfordshire if you ask me the stuff we we're saying about the kind of towny culture and the uh, lack of culture in a way that's the thing i think like lack of like interesting people and interesting stuff going on um combination of those things made me decide to move to bristol with her um which was yeah another like kind of big decision at the time but it's kind of musically it was like the best thing so i moved to bristol and then i was like i'm gonna get my own bits of studio equipment so i just got a computer like a mini controller um and a few like bits on the computer really uh, some some decent monitors and just started making like my own beats basically in bristol for the first time properly um so what sort of year um, was that do you reckon how long ago was that? like it's around 2000 2000 i think just 2002 something like that maybe i think i'm not so good with that those with dates but somewhere around then um and yeah just started making beats for the fun of it um and then um i was still going back to kind of the home counties and whatever like back to oxford see people and then i saw um uh one of my that's my sister's mate but he's she's a bit younger but um uh, mc killer was like emceeing at a free party um and was literally killing it it was just like oh my god you're actually sick like what's what's happened like you were like my little little sister's mate um and he was just on the mic like destroying it and we're like i was like i remember you know saying oh, i'm doing like beats and stuff if you want to like do something so because we're kind of they were up in nottingham he'd gone to union nottingham and i'd, I'd obviously gone off into bristol um and yeah we started started doing beats together basically and then we formed like a little hip-hop crew uh called lost project which was kind of based in Not nottingham 
and featured like me, poorly fluent, was a MC would met up in he'd met up in Nottingham. Um and yeah, started just doing shows with those guys basically. Um, which happened quite quickly, honestly. If I think if I look back on it now, it was so quick. <laughs> it was basically start making beats, meet him, put our first thing out. Um uh, got signed to a Nottingham label called Dealmaker Records. They put it out. Um, and then we were just doing shows and we were like, we supported like Jest, we supported um, uh, Beat Nuts, Far Side, African Bambata, uh, Task Force. Like, it, it was insane. Like, just sort of straight away, it felt like. Just making some putting beats. one track out. <laughs> was one little, a little album, little EP. It was like a nine, right. nine track, nine track. Um, and it was just yeah really quick and cool like we're suddenly like it was because it was uk hip-hop it was kind of it, it was it was way more underground than it is now do you know what i mean <clears throat> like uk hip-hop is kind of pretty big now really it's got its own festivals and stuff do you know what I mean? when we're allowed festivals that is um but yeah it was it was it was great played amazing shows like definitely like smashed and like sick shows doing that but then once they those guys kind of finished uni in nottingham because what i was doing i was living in bristol nottingham is about it's just past Birmingham, so it's like it's a four-hour four-hour drive of traffic. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I was just going up there, not drinking anything, just doing the Red Bulls, DJing for them, and then missioning it back the same night. Like because I knew if I stayed, I'd just like get smashed, and then I wouldn't have to do anything the next you day. You just went so back to like... Bristol and got mashed instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like mad commitment to like pull that off. Um, all these week, all these weekends it was great fun but then once uh, the guys had kind of broke off and went went their own separate ways after uni i think paul is in like new york for example now um it just kind of like fizzled out we couldn't like keep it going um so then i just started making carry on making beats really just carried on making instrumental beats i didn't have any mcs anymore um and just trying to yeah push what what kind of you can do with just the instrumentals so i was kind of just making beats on my own rather than with a crew do you know what i mean yeah. Um, and then I think the first time we ever met, although it's a bit of a hazy decade, <laughs> um, <Yeah>. to be <laughs> honest, for pretty simple reasons, we were just fucking loose as hell. Um, yeah. And well, um, we could be, man. Do you know what I mean? Glad we did. Yeah. yeah. Imagine, um, imagine now. Imagine now. You can't even go out and do that. Just have to fucking do it via Zoom. Just get mashed yeah. via Zoom. Like, where's. <laughs> um, where's. I'll beat my name out. Uh, oh, he's just collapsed. <laughs> I, he's, he's just fucking on the floor, thinking he's melting through the ground. Like that time I yeah. had at your house where I thought I melted through the floor. And uh, you just found me like wandering outside. Like, which one? <laughs> which, yeah, which night? <laughs> or which floor? Which metaphorical <laughs> floor? But the, I think um, the first time we ever met, it was after. So this is, again, memory's not always that reliable, but I remember there was a lot, our group of mates. So this is like, yeah. it's about 2005-ish, and loads of people had gone off to London to go to Fabric in a limo. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think it was probably Fonzie's house. I remember meeting Fonz and him being at that, like, you know how he'd be, one of those people that can drink and then get that like second wave and he was just yeah, entering yeah. his second wave and you were there <laughs> and there was like some um there was some tunes on in the background i think it was some instrumental i think it was one of fonzie's mixes and i was like oh this is pretty yeah. sick who did this mix 
And he's like, oh, that's mine. I was like, mm. well, this is fucking sick. Yeah. Uh, and then you were there and I was like, I just did a couple, a freestyle and you were like, oh shit, you've got some stuff. I'm <laughs> phrenic, let's do some stuff. And I was like, yeah, we never actually did some stuff. We just got mashed for 10 years. <laughs> well, we just hung out for 10 years. We we did, we did, we, we, we did real hip hop though. We were doing it as a live performance piece. <laughs> Freestyling. <laughs> every weekend. Every weekend going to every other party and freestyling the shit out of it. Um, remember that one time, um, um, my many, when we were like, I think we were walking somewhere to meet up with someone to purchase something. And we were down by like Stokes Croft. And yeah. there was like, we could hear some guys like MC, like freestyling, walking down the road. And we were like, yeah, yeah, sick, man. We've been freestyling all day. And they were like, yeah, fucking well done, yeah. And we're just like, okay, maybe these oh. dudes ain't on the same vibe as us. I don't think so, man. Yeah, flip the script. That's what Bristol's all about, though, isn't it? We had our own term, innit? Flip the script. I was having, but then. Do you remember I was that? Actually, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flip the script, go somewhere else. Basically. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, but it's, 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 it was a nice way of saying it without like alerting the, the, the crew. Because you'd, you'd be at a house party and it'd be like, I don't know, the vibe would be dropping and people would be like settling into like sofas and turning on the TV and all, it would be getting a bit quiet and we'd like flip the script and just go find some party. What was, what was, um, what was the freestyle once? One of the people's like, there's got to be more than these four walls. I'm just like, that's what I used to love the most. You know, people that didn't actually ever having freestyle suddenly oh. would get on it and some of yeah. the... What was the isosceles triangle? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, so people would be getting so enthusiastic about us freestyling. They're like, oh, I wish I could do it. And we're like, you can. It's literally just say anything that comes into your head. Don't overthink it. Do it in time with the beat and just see what happens. Like, no one cares. Like, you can go wrong. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, and then, yeah, what was it? Our mate Seagull. Shout out to Seagull. Sea, it was shout out to Seagull. Seagull um, dropped. <laughs> So he said, I'm running triangles around him. You can't see me or something. It's like it's like Pythagoras' theorem, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, can't see him. That's it. I'm running triangles around him. You can't see him. I'm running triangles around him like Pythagoras' theorem. Oh. <laughs> he came out with that, like, at the first freestyle you ever did. <laughs> well, and then we've got our other friends. Shout out to Dave Desson. Um... <laughs> he, he's been doing the same freestyle for, like, like tw 20 years, though. <laughs> was it like rhymes I've got popping a lot? It like popping it like pistols since year 93. Rhymes I've got a lot. I've got enough to fill a child's cot. Oh man, no, I've got that. I've got that freestyle he was doing in a rag. He was doing a ragger MC voice. I've got that on my computer still. It's the funniest thing you've ever heard. He actually like channels like a ragger MC. It's hilarious. What's he say? Think your TFT screen's bigger than mine? Don't think so, no more. <laughs> and I actually, I, you know, I still hang around with him on the regular and we can be anywhere. We can be at a mate's house and <laughs> I've, I've been, oh no, I've been there. <laughs> he just gets it out. I've been, um, I've been, I've, maybe I've met these people many times. He does get out. He, do, he always gets out. Shout out <laughs> to the mega dog. Um, he always <laughs> will just like, before we know it, there's a fucking beat on and I'm freestyle rapping at somewhere I've never freestyle rapped before. And that's what I've always loved about 
you know, the one 2D is that that energy and that push for the amount of like walks we'd have, like still yeah. out of our mind, freestyle rapping, walking across Bristol in the area where you lived in various other areas, just just never ending. Just Yeah, that's what I mean, man. We're doing it for real. Like I know we've we've been pretty bad at recording stuff together is what you mean, isn't it? Well, I guess over the, the I guess over the years. The idea was always there, but was that really what that friendship was about? It was about getting mashed and just freestyling. And people would joke. They'd be like, where are you? And I'd get a text like, are you at Frenix freestyling off your tits and MDMA? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we just lo- we're just loving hip hop. That's the point, isn't it? Listening to it, getting involved with it, doing it. You're like, you're like you know, you're, you're doing graffiti. I'm making beats. We're freestyling. Yeah. Like, oh, it's you know, great, man. It's, just, it's cliche, but we're literally just, just just so into it. I'm still so into it. Do you know what I mean? I'm so in, That's what I love about hip hop. And that's what I still say. Uh, you know, I'm a hip hop producer. I always say I make kind of instrumental. People call me trip hop producer, kind of helps yeah. people define what I do and stuff. But like, it's hip hop is what I'm into and what I love. I love everything about it. I love the art. I love the dancing. I love the just the attitude and the philosophy of it. Um, and yeah, I'm just into the whole thing, and we were just doing it, man. Do you know what I mean? Like we were actually doing it, like all those, all that time. We're just, yeah. So I, I do the recording. Really... You got to remember, the recording came after. Do you know what I mean? Recorded yeah. hip hop didn't come for a while after hip hop was happening. Um, so maybe that can happen for us. <laughs> um, I um, I do remember certain. So I always used to have something on me, like a pen or a can of paint. And it'd almost be like walking down to gigs. It was almost like, okay, just doing this thing. Maybe someone who didn't really know me that well, they'd be like, what the fuck is he doing? Why is he just popping into yeah. alleyways every two minutes? Oh, it's just doing this thing. It's just doing this <laughs> yeah. thing. Just doing this <laughs> thing. Okay, just tagging the fuck out of anywhere possible. Um, <coughs> Trying to think who our break dancer was, though. Yeah. No, we never had one. <laughs> to know Dave, I guess, again, isn't it? 2D. <laughs> <laughs> the one 2D who randomly yeah. met someone out of Bad Marsh and Shri and just ended up going on a scratch DJ tour with them in India, as you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I think, like, go, go, rewinding it back a bit, I think, like, moving to Bristol, like, I think what we're kind of saying here is that, yeah, kind of musically, um, moving to Bristol was just a, and culturally, it was just such an opener. It just opened me up because I come here with kind of, I did a lot. Of, we've got to mention I did loads of drum and bass DJing as well. I was um, going to mention, yeah. So before we kind of started making the beats, um, I was, uh, um, and I think drum and bass was, you know, again, it was when it was all kind of coming from jungle into drum and bass, and it was the scene. Do you know what I mean? It was the underground thing to be doing in the UK, and I feel like it really was like our hip hop, like. You go to a, go to a live event, two turntables, beats, and live MCs. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and this kind of little family, like which was truly like underground. Like I loved being a part of like that drum and bass scene. Um, you know, two thousand, like late ninety eight to like mid two thousands. Uh, we were like raving every weekend, and um, me and my uh, DJ partner at the time, DJ Dis, Big Up Ali. Um, we did pretty well, man. We got we got pretty far up in the hierarchy of the sort of drum and bass DJ scene in the UK. We got to like the kind of um, I always say to people the bottom of the Premier League 
like you know like the, you know it's like big back-to-back lineups you see like at camden yeah. palais or brixton academy or something yeah but it's like ray keith back-to-back with kenny ken back-to-back with andy c with you know, all that we got yeah. to the book we, we had our name and big we're at the bottom like frenick and this we're like bottom of the premier league we got relegated basically next season but like we were in there like for one <laughs> one season it felt like talking about drum and bass the other day you know i'm sure you've yeah. seen it where someone's taking the time and the effort to sink in some footage from the churches where they really dance and um there's and then someone synced up so the mc is like the guy on the mic and it's it's yeah, so yeah. but i was so I, I i'm very i've seen many of those and i'm like yeah all good baptizio isn't it yeah but there was one the other day where it was, I think it was Andy C. Absolutely and rolling IC3 in it. And it's IC3. And mate, I had <laughs> the tube, the mix, because Andy C's mixes, like, uh, well, because wasn't he known as like the Axe Man or something? Where yeah. it was like mate, he was, perfect yeah. mixes. He was the one. But his, he, he's, his, yeah, mixing, he had the dubs as well. And his mixing was like so on point. You'd go, we'd always go see Andy C if he was in town. Um, there was, um, but there's this bit where like the mix is happening. I was just watching it on my iPhone, trying to not look at Instagram all the time, but I was just watching it on the Instagram TV thing. And there was this mix and it was starting to come in. And I literally was buzzing. I was just like all those Mm. feelings and you know, that feeling where where you hear music and so many probably implicit memories of so many, probably Mm. fucking the remains of many, many drugs as well. And I was just (laughs) like, just the bit where there's the drop and it's just like, you can hear him mixing it in little bits, little tiny bits, little tiny bits. And then it's just like one, two, three, four, five, boom. And then it just completely switches. And I just kept rewinding that same bit over and over and over again. And my wife walks in and I'm there with my eyes closed, just like fucking going for it. And that's for me was jungle drum and bass. Cause I got into hip hop through kind of a similar, you know, West Coast and then East Coast and then kind of, but then my mates would be like mixing jungle drum and bass at their house. And I was always just like, what's this fucking shit? Fuck this shit. (laughs) And then a year later, I'm buying fucking tape packs, driving around in my Ford Escort in a tracksuit, just like, it was our thing, man. That's the that's the thing with drum and bass. It was art that was definitely, that's, you can't dispute. It was a UK thing. Do you know what I mean? And it was, it was, it was, I, 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 I never, I would never lose that feeling of belonging to like a crew, like yeah. a, like a movement. Um, like absolutely loved it, and then to be DJing and playing at these things, then all our crew like would come with us, and um, we'd kind of represent. It was it was so sick, like so much fun those days. Um, and you know that's a lot of. I think I still kind of um, drum and bass production is like obviously a bit of a pinnacle for me in my head of like how well you can make things sound. So I think I still take a lot of drum and bass. If you listen to some of my music, you'll, you can pick it out. Like some of the like synthesizers I like to use and pads and chords and things are very drum and bassy. Um, I still kind of, yeah, take a lot of influence from, from drum and bass producers like Ed Rush and Optical. Um, people amazing, like that. Amazing production. Just amazing. Yeah. Like when you listen to how fast it is. And that's what I think moving to Bristol did for me. I was aware of jungle drum and bass type stuff. So anyone that's listening to this, they're like, oh, this is what drum and bass is. Try and check out late 90s, just 90s and early 2000 drum and bass from the UK. Yeah, has it gone all weird, is it? 
went all weird there. What you gonna say? Like, um, yeah, like it, it, wormhole, Ed Rush and Optical. Like, yeah. So what? I mean, I'm putting you on the bet. You know, wormhole, Ed Rush and Optical. Any other tracks yeah. that you can think from memory? People that are listening to this, like, I don't know what genre they're talking about. Just to YouTube it because oh, people man. check it and they yeah, just go, I mean, "Holy fuck!" Yeah, because there's so much. There's so. I mean, drum and bass now is such an evolved thing, and there's so many different kind of subgenres. It's really funny, actually. When I'm teaching, like, there's now there's like sects, isn't there? Like, now you've got like cliques of drum and bass people. They're like people who are into neuro hate people that are into jump up and all this. I'm like, okay, like we like we just had drum and bass nights. Like, neuro. What's neuro? Neuro is like. I heard it described the other day as the death metal of drum and bass. Although it's not as doesn't sound as hard. It's just production technical like that's the real thing of neuro it's like you know it's really it's like noisier like noisier like neuro do you know what i mean it's that really hardcore sound design production yeah. stuff which is very similar mindset to like like the heavy metal like is, which is all about kind of production and how it sounds um whereas jump ups kind of you know just the pleasing kind of over the top bass line the kind of drop and stuff jump up drum and bass but it's funny, I find it really amusing that there's these that drum and bass people are not into each other. Because, like, we were, like, such a tight-knit crew. Mm. Like, any drum and bass, we listen to, like, what would be called Liquid, we'd listen to Jump Up, we'd listen to... Because, mm. actually, all the tunes used to be different anyway. That was the that was the point. Like, it was a cutting-edge music, it was new. And if you, you'd go to the rave to hear a new sound, you weren't going to the rave to hear the tune you heard last week. Like that's the that's a complete different now. Now everyone's like doing the tune they heard they like. They're gonna make the tune that way. But what we were going out is like, you know, what's you know, what, who's been making tunes this week? You know, like who's got a new dub? Like what? It'd be coming in like you said on the mix, and you'd be like, what is that? Like what is that sound? Oh, I've never mate. heard it before. And then it would kick in, and we'd all just lose our minds. Like and then try and find this track for the next six months because none of us could get our hands on it. I've actually, as you've just been describing that, not even sound-wise, I've just had a little like tingle in the back of my brain <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's just that feeling, you know, when you can hear the mix and something's like, and you're like, what the fuck? And they're just, and you're just like, and then they're kind of hiding it away in the other tune. You're like, what the fuck? And they go, switch. And then trying to describe someone, you know, that tune that sounds like, and you're like, yeah, which one? Yeah. Well, my my wife always said we that's what we'd, we'd literally get back from the club and that's we'd all be like making noises at each other and we'd all know what we we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that also going back to the record shop thing is like, what was so exciting about that scene was that we'd hear this piece of music that let's say Brian G's got because no one else has because he runs V Recordings, and we'd hear it. But then we'd have to we'd be guessing like which producer did it. I, I reckon it's like you know Ed Rush and Optical. I reckon it's you know. Um, uh, uh, noisier or whatever um and then we'd be going into the record shop and going what's that tune that thing he's like brian g's playing and he'd be like it's da 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 and he'd be like no really and he's like can, you know can you get it and he'd be like no no chance <laughs> and then and then about you know like i said six months later he'd be like i reckon we're getting some copies in of the tune um and then because if you knew him well enough he'd hold some back for you like white labels and then you'd be in he'd be like i've got one i've got one i've got one for you and like just that kind of that culture of chasing these tunes and this scene was so exciting. And then uh, the other thing is, you, I, I mean, I was very militantly into hip hop and drum and bass, and that was it at that time. I, I didn't have time for anything else. Like, and a bit of that's kind of 
a bit of that's like you're young and you're kind of you found your thing so you think everything else is shit but also i've been thinking about it actually you didn't have any option like i couldn't do that in another scene i couldn't be going to all the raves and learning all the the you know the producers and then and talking to the record shop guy and buying the record i couldn't do that for more than one scene do you know what i mean mm -hmm. so you were kind of locked it nowadays you got you know the whole of music at your fingertips so you kind of don't have that kind of hardcore that you'd have which is cool in some ways because people are more eclectic in their tastes and stuff now um and you can kind of hear it in music that people are kind of influenced by a lot of things i find that teaching i find students are a lot more open-minded uh nowadays because they got more access to stuff um, unless they're cool, in, unless cool. unless they're into neuro and not into jump up and you're just like Come yeah on, guys just yeah. listen to all of it i know i know but i, I get everything it, I, mean, I remember being like that I, I um i don't know if you've heard it yet but um beep um i don't know if you've heard it yet but you've got have you heard the podcast uh hip-hop saved my life with jaguar skills yet no, I haven't. I'll check that out. Oh, it's, yeah, it's well worth a listen. So if you heard Jaguar Skills has done this, um, he's done 42 mixes, which is a, 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 each mix an hour long, and it's a, a, every year of hip-hop. Holy fuck. Yeah, and they're insane. Like, absolutely insane. Like, a, they're amazing. Um, I'm just writing but hearing him, Yeah, hearing him chatting about, yeah, kind of the 90s and that culture is like worth, well worth a listen. 42 mixes and each one is an hour long yeah it's called mix. hip hop time bomb oh my god and he's just decided to go through so yeah it's, it's it's a year in hip hop each mix is like a year in hip hop well that's my fucking work week gone i know <laughs> so it's so good i can't yeah you yeah, know what i out. really loved i often loved when there was like a crossover so i remember hearing a dj craze mix and yeah. DJ Craze, people don't know DJ Craze. DJ Craze is a very, very, very well-respected scratch DJ. So into turntablism, that's a whole other hour-long conversation. But then he then went into mixing drum and bass, but it was like a different... I remember just downloading, I think it was through Napster or something like that. Because like, the first ever hip-hop hip -hop track I ever heard, ever, which I didn't appreciate at the time, was I downloaded it. It was this thing called Method Man. I was like, what the fuck is this? And I, I didn't, I didn't then connect up in my mind Wu Tang. What you, you never heard like you never heard Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince or something? Oh well, I think I, I get well. I guess I did. I would have done, <laughs> but I probably just didn't rec. I didn't really like realize what that. Realize what it's a bit like. My parents bought me a tape pack called Rave Ninety Two, and I've heard other people mention that it was quite a well. Um, well, not well established, but um, yeah, readily available. Was... Rave '92, and in '92 yeah. I would have been eight, yeah. and I was lucky because my parents were quite young, and you know they bought me things like the first, um, not Mob Deep, Prodigy, but the Prodigy, like mu music for the Jilted Generation, when I was like ten. Mm. And getting that, and hearing that, and hearing that cross, and I remember reading in a magazine that. You know, the producer, who's pretty much prodigy, Liam Howlett, was in a scratch DJ crew called Cut to yeah. Kill. And I remember just thinking, yeah. so that's hip hop. Yeah. And that's this is dance, what I would, not EDM. Let's just clearly define that from anyone from the US. When we talk about dance music, we're talking about subgenres of dance music. EDM is just a whole other crime against humanity. But if people are into <laughs> it, fair play to them. And- If you want to um, know why it's called EDM, it'll be the story. Go on then, why not? Um, 
well, it's not a story, it's just not a documentary, honestly. But um, if you see, you should watch um, Unchained, as the Daft Punk documentary. All right. Um, yeah. Fascinating. So basically, in that, it kind of clears up why it's called EDM. So I was always like, why are, they, are these Americans calling just calling it electronic dance music? Obviously, we've had this for years in the UK. Yeah. What type of like, electronic dance music? <laughs> what type? No, they're. It doesn't matter. That's the whole point, right? To them, because so uh, what's it called? Coachella? Is it Coachella? Is that you said? The big Aye. music festival. There's a big it. music festival in America, which basically used to be predominantly like obviously rock music and country, right? Yeah. Um, but basically, the Daft Punk show uh, was so seminal that because this is a big music industry place, lots of music industry types are. This Daft Punk show, which they built like a pyramid and like these French robots in a pyramid. I've seen, what I mean? I've seen the pyramid thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so seminal and everyone went to it. And it basically, the American music industry were like, oh my God, this electric, electronic dance music. They just got it <laughs> then. Do you see what I mean? We've been doing it in the UK for years. And do you know what I mean? In Europe, like Germany and stuff. But it was like that point where suddenly the American mu music industry realized there was like legs in and money more to point in electronic dance music and that's why it's called e that's why they call it edm oh my god there's this there's this type of music this is really hot right now let's check this exactly. out and then yeah, yeah, people yeah. say edm and i go what type and they go what do yeah. you mean and i'm like do you yeah because now it's a thing isn't it now it's got a sort of very specific sound type that's like actually edm yeah um which is its own taste and i did see <laughs> interestingly enough how someone had said it's funny that the this was about 10 10 -ish years ago i think that the there's big name producers trying to recreate the sound that came from a bunch oh, of teenagers should we just put should we just take the video off for a sec just yep. in case it's struggling so stop vid um how just a market <laughs> point okay restart okay um so how they were talking about you know 10 10 ish years ago that there's top name producers trying to recreate the sound that was basically a bunch of teenagers in croydon in the uk using fruity loops on their yeah. playstations which yeah. created the genre of dubstep now dubstep has become something very different but if we're talking about kind of the originators i guess from my limited knowledge it would be people like scream um and i don't maybe i don't know but dubstep remember when dubstep again that was that seminal feeling i remember being at a club in bristol and there was this different tempo of music it was i was like this isn't for this isn't hip-hop style this isn't trip hop this isn't jungle drum and bass. This isn't techno. This isn't house. What the fuck is this with this really <laughs> like deep wobbly, but seemed very slow. And I remember I turned to my mate and he just went, this is fucking dubstep. And I was just like, <laughs> all right. And I was just like, how do you dance to this? It was just like, uh, uh, and then you do, 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 loads, do loads of ketamine, I think was the answer to that. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, exactly. I just did loads of K and I was like, oh no, I get this now. I get this now. It is, so, it is interesting that they relate though, isn't it? Like obviously, yeah, obviously we were all on like pills and ecstasy and dancing to drum and bass, which is really fast. And then ketamine get, becomes like the club drug and all the, I think unsurprisingly, all the music slows down. Um, it had to though, didn't it? 
drum and bass was getting faster and faster we got up to gabba like we had to have a halftime music happen it was kind of inevitable wasn't it but it was just very it was just interesting how it just kind of like what is this and there was this this push and what i really noticed was that you know a lot of the it almost became like a fucking tsunami of influence and it was like you suddenly jungle drum and bass producers were like oh fuck i better try and make dubstep it's the popular thing but i guess whenever there's like a new thing comes out something that's popular can become a bit less popular but then it the people that really love it they keep doing it and they keep innovating and they keep changing and you know i i really would love to i was talking to our other mate who now lives in perth just going to a jungle drum and bass rave just just that feeling just the energy in those sorts of places and again they wouldn't always have the friendliest energy you'd always have the the proper fucking man them standing at the back like looking like they're having a yeah. proper we always had a crew though man yeah yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the secret is you always go with a mad crews and as long as you weren't kind of out on your own you were good like um because I, I look back at some some videos of some of the raves we're at like there were some of them on youtube and it's so like partisan it's it's crazy health and safety just weren't a thing then do you know what i mean they're basically like, the, the authorities and the councils didn't know really what was going on like someone's no. like i'm gonna hire a film warehouse and put decks in it and fill it up with like three thousand people um it's you know what i mean it's it was if i look back on it it's like i'm amazed we were in there um but like, honestly the, the times were good they were like it was a vibe like everyone majority of people are there for the right reasons obviously when lots of pe people get together like some criminal elements get involved because they're just gonna kind of um prey on the weak as it were but i felt we we were always good because we just had a crew basically so you wouldn't we'd all look out for each other and they weren't gonna come and start a crew do you know what i mean they're just picking people off but um yeah kind of dark but that's what goes on isn't it i guess that's why the music kind of industry is a bit more sanitized nowadays but now we can't even go to gigs can we so it's all well just to give point. a bit of context that people keep thinking you know why you're saying you can't go to things is that this is being recorded in november 2020 and the uk has just gone into its second lockdown so let's not discuss that but it gives a bit of context people are like uh what do you mean? Well, I'm yeah. listening to this in 1995. I don't understand. Um, so to go, <laughs> <Going back to time. laughs> we're going back. This is how fucking sick this Marty podcast Marty is. Marty McFly is listening to this with the doc and is like, why, why, what happens in the future where they stop music? Ahead of my time, like the car Marty McFly drives. Um, the um, Yeah, that's credit main, yeah. Um, so, so to just... So I like the way we've gone off on this tangent of jungle drum and bass and talking about influences <laughs> and stuff. But I guess what I'd yeah. like to do is just because we've got to finish up because I've actually got to go to work in a bit. Um, no the um, what I'd really like to do is give a bit of light to what you're doing now, really, because people so. listen to the podcast and I've kindly had your permission to use music. So there's tunes on there that are like 10, 12 years old. And there's stuff there yeah. from your latest yeah. album. So let's briefly talk about Greece. So yeah. you're experiencing sure. Greece. Um, that story you told me about when you went to Greece the first, not maybe the first time, but how you were just like, oh shit, maybe people do listen to what I do. Yeah, I think the whole thing with like, so the, the, the decision I made to put music out for free initially was the big one. Like, because like, I was, I had, after being signed to a label and stuff, I had to make this decision, like what to do with my music. I couldn't get signed to anything at the time. Um, people like giving me like polite knockbacks, you know, like it's cool, like like it, but not really for us kind of vibe. Um, 
so I found a net label, which is like a label without any money involved, basically, um, in Bulgaria called Dusted Wax Kingdom. And I released my kind of first three little albums through that, which are like the Time Trilogy, which are, um, which has got my biggest tune kind of plays-wise or writers on, on the first one of those. Um, and I put them out and put them out online, basically. Um, and yeah, obviously really glad I did because I started getting messages uh, from other countries, um, and particularly Greece. And apparently this tune, two of the tunes on that out, first album had kind of blown up over there. And apparently we're like every bar you go into has been played obviously what's weird is you can't tell this when you're sat in the house in bristol um and <clears throat> yeah i got got asked to go over there and like you said i cut even if you see numbers of plays on videos like or, or on youtube or whatever of your tracks like you, you can't really put it into context can you know what i mean i don't know i've got fuck all i think i put, a, I think I put some <laughs> tunes out and i've got like I think one of the, you know, I did a, like a, a, someone else did the beats, like, and he, like, I look at the videos, it's still on there, and it's like 25 plays. And it's like, well, they're probably all me. Uh, <laughs> Didn't you have it where a student that you were teaching was like, well, you've only got like 2 million. What the fuck? That's nothing. And you're like, oh. Uh, yeah, something weird like that. Yeah, I mean, I've had like 3 million plus on one of the tunes on YouTube, which is a mind blowing amount of people, but you can't. 2.6 million, 2.6 million are me. So don't be too hyped, mate. <laughs> okay, I can so that. yeah, just um, so okay, but, um, yeah. Stick it on the internet is a good idea, basically. Is what I'm saying, um, and that got me out to start to playing in Greece a lot. Um, like I said, I went out there, did a couple of dates in Athens and Thessaloniki the first time. Um, and then it sort of ex ex expanded. Um, ended up doing a couple of like 10 city tours in Greece, like mainly around the mainland and stuff, um, which is just epic, really. Um, and like you said, I was so surprised that people knew who I was, knew my music, thought I was some big time producer from the UK. Because <laughs> I've obviously. I'm like in Bristol, isn't it? So obviously trip hop, which is kind of how it's, I guess you'd categorize those albums. Um, you know, obviously Massive Attack, Tricky, Porter's Head, these are all kind of big Bristol bands that kind of push the kind of dubby hip hop sound. Um, and yeah, kind of, I was sort of being lumped in with them, which is like, to me was hilarious because I didn't feel like that at all. Um, but yeah, obviously, a super, it was pretty emotional the first time I was in Athens and playing like my tune, and people knew the like obviously I knew the words to it, and asked for autographs and all the rest of it. It was it was literally like living the dream um, that you kind of imagined when you were like like fifteen years old or something. Do you know what I mean? So the other quick one I thought I'd mention is is when you went to that radio station with our other hmm. friend Dean Boogaloo and how you yeah. kind of went in and you thought they were being really offish with you? Oh yeah, because yeah. I thought, yeah. But then I suddenly clocked that they were nervous to meet me. <laughs> so I was like, I'm nervous to go on the radio show in another country, I've just got off the aeroplane. And it was like, oh no, they're being, they're worried about me. Like I was just like, what is going on? And then someone asked me for the autograph for the first time anyone's ever asked for my autograph. Um, and obviously they don't want me to sign Sam Ferguson, I don't think. They probably want Frenick in some way. Um, and I obviously hadn't thought how to write that. <laughs> and I've got terrible handwriting. And I just scrawled some like, yeah, Frenick on something um, to some 
probably just now disappointed fan. Um, now it's now it's on yeah, it's eBay. Just... Now it's on eBay for like seven thousand euros, <laughs> and you're like, "Fuck, <laughs> I need it back." Fair play, man. You can make seven thousand euros for my bad handwriting. Go to go for it. Um, but yeah, just yeah, it was, it was a real kind of yeah validating mad thing, and it it gave me like Greece, but in particular, just gave me so much like energy to like make music again and get back into it. And that's basically where I'm at. I've just finished a trilogy of albums, which is based, which started from those tours I did basically in Greece, because I was going around Greece. I was thinking I've got to kind of tell this story in some way. I was thinking I'm on an epic journey. I'm in ancient Greece, do you know what I mean? I'm seeing like all these, I'm going to Sparta, Athens, um, I'm seeing temples and all the rest of it. So I was thinking like mythology and things, gods. And I started doing a bit of research like, online about some of those themes. Obviously while I was going around Greece in these different cities, I was digging, finding like records, finding some Greek music, finding just other cool records that they happen to have in these stores. Um, and then I yeah, basically stumbled across this um, philosophy by a guy called Joseph Campbell, um, and he wrote Amazing. a book. He, he wrote this book called A Hero with a Thousand Faces. And in this book, he outlines the monomyth. And the idea of the monomyth is that all good, true stories are based on the same story. And they, they have the same archetypal kind of characters and moments in the story arc. Um, and the reason we kind of use story and tell story is to understand our own story, which is our life, right? So our life is our own, we're the hero of our story and everyone's a hero of their story. And actually this philosophy, you can kind of use it and see what point you're at within your life and which kind of trials you're maybe encountering and stuff. So I got really deep into reading about this and then thought I'm gonna use this as a kind of template. So there's three main bits basically, there's for three albums. So separation, if you think of the analogy of life, you know, is obviously separations like birth, like coming into this world. Then you've got kind of like uh, the, the the main bit of it is called initiation. So that's like called the road of trials. So that's obviously the majority of your life where you're on the quest to go and, you know, slay the dragon as it were. Um, but whatever it is, you're on the, on the mission basically. Um, and then the last bit, which I've just finished um, is return. And obviously that's where you've actually completed your mission. You've done it, but what do you actually do with that? So it's kind of a weird one actually to do the final one um, because I've, I've been kind of feeling, I'm, you know, I'm in my forties now and I've definitely got to that point in my life where I'm like, I've done all these cool things I wanted to do, like, but what do I do with it now? Um, so Return was kind of about that. Obviously, like I said, we've got the track in there about my cousin Matt and a lot of those kind of themes are like tackled in there. And I use like the audio book, um, and some interviews I found with Joseph Campbell to kind of inter, kind of splice in between as little skits to kind of tell the story. Um, but I hope people can listen to the trilogy and kind of put their own, kind of map their own story to it. That's kind of the way I hope people can listen to it and, and make their own story up. It's not, it doesn't have to be too prescriptive, do you know what I mean? And I guess that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on here is that your music and especially the you know the monomyth and also the other thing that you put out dr dad before that where correct me if any of this is incorrect but your dad's no. giving you a who's actually also a doctor giving you a bunch of records and being like here yeah. you go here you go sam have these um you yes. might use them and then you literally made an album um yeah. 
charity chops as well. I know you, I don't know if you necessarily put yeah. that album out, but when you went it's, around, it's on YouTube actually. That's the first thing. That's one of the first things I did really. Yeah, going to charity shops, and I remember when you were making it, and you were like, "Yeah, check <laughs> this out," and you were like interviewing the speed people in the charity shops, getting like yeah. little things about that, and that's what I've always loved about your music is that, again, you know, we all you know, we were a group of friends, and we were always just like we thought your music was so amazing and you're such an encouraging person. Like when I first wanted to start recording um, lyrics and making beats and all that type of stuff, it was always just so encouraging and so positive, but really giving this awareness, things like the monomyth, you know, people have maybe heard a couple of the tracks on there and I'll be making sure that I'm putting more of those in this section so they get an idea, but really spending that time to go and you check out all three because I love it when there's like a deeper layer to the music. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to mention about Return is, and again, I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of those were done technically live. Yeah, yeah, good, good shout. So yeah, I've kind of, I think these three albums are like a journey. Of, uh, that's what it's all about through kind of life. And I've been kind of going on a bit of a journey through like production while I've been doing it as well. So the first album, Separation, is pretty much all like in the box, you know, as we say, like in the computer. So like, the way I learned really was in the computer, chopping up audio and being quite clinical with like my decisions, if you if you want. Um, and the second album, Road of Trials, I got my first kind of hardware sampler, which is a little SP404, um, and started incorporating elements of that into it, which has got kind of um, some cool effects. It's got this crunchy sort of sound to it. So I ran everything on that second album for it. Then when I got to the third album, I, I picked up a hip hop classic with the 2000, uh, 2000XL MPC, Akai. And I've always, I've always wanted this one. It's the one you, I've seen it. It's like the one that Q-Tip's holding up over his face on um, his album. Um, it, I've, I've seen it in so many hip hop videos and photographs and stuff and seen DJ Shadow using it and Pete Rock. And it, it was always kind of an interesting piece of kit. I reckon if I'd got it when I first got it, I probably wouldn't know how to use it. Yeah, they're, but, they're, fucking, they're fucking difficult. And it, also, well, SP404, you know. like that, I've seen you, I remember when you got it, you were like, yeah, I'm really having to relearn. And that's, that's yes. what's amazing. It's just like, this is very yeah. basic, very basic, but so I mean, yeah, the SP, so I, I, nearly, I nearly sent the SP404 back because I didn't do loads of stuff. I, you know, I was so used to the computer. Yeah. Uh, but actually, like, it not doing stuff is a good thing because it limits you and brings you back to, like... Because actually, the SP404 is not really designed to make beats on. It's designed to DJ... Um, like assistant that's gonna you know put some samples on and do DJ drops like do 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 DJ and all that sort of stuff. You know I mean? uh, but it's perfect. It's perfect exactly. Air horns and all that. But it's a perfect example of hip hop where hip hop producers are like, no, I can make tunes on this. Like mm. it might be hard, but I'm gonna do it. Um, and so yeah, you're right. On the on the third album, what I've kind of done is I've um, been working on the hardware. Um, two samplers and a, a mixing desk, outboard effects, and kind of jamming the music. So apart, rather than laying it out meticulously, I kind of uh, record and play um, the arrangement and the effects live. So I mean, that no words is done in like one take, with like no edits. So it's done in, a, it's, I also played keys over that one. So it's like done in one take and it's either a good take or it's a bad take, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I do it a few times and I think that was a good one. Um, and I think my analogy is, I think 
my first way of working on the computer is kind of like doing art in Photoshop where you can mm. kind of do, you can do it, you can tweak it forever, like until it's, which has got its merits, you know, you can make it a certain way. Whereas the way I'm making music on the third and final album, um, which is funny, because I think at the end of the second album, it's like you come to the end of your quest and you get the reward from the gods, do you know what I mean? That's what I was thinking in my head. You get, you capture fire from the gods and like now what are you gonna do? You're gonna come back and use it. So in a way it was like, I found the old technique of hip hop um, in this old equipment and I came back like to use it, do you know what I mean? And then it's like, yeah, it's like painting. That's the way compared to like Photoshop, it's like doing a painting and like you either do a good painting or you do a bad painting. Um, and some of them were good ones. I did loads of them and then I picked the good ones and put them on the album. And that's a perfect segue to where I was going to bring this into a full conclusion is a lot of that type of stuff is the theme which people who I've interviewed and me personally you know, people get into graffiti, they want their graffiti to be like super crisp, super yeah. perfect. They want it to be like, okay, I want it to almost look, again, talking about Photoshop, I was talking to someone about it yesterday. They're like, yeah. no, I wanted my pieces to look like a sticker. Like I yeah. literally, it was mega crisp and any drips or anything that wasn't mm. perfect and like pristine, I would see it as not good enough. And then you get to this point where you're like, and it was interesting when you were talking about the, you know, using the older tools, like there's this movement I'm doing at the moment and that many other people are using what's called stock caps. So not using the 50 million types of cap you can use to get a perfect, like clean line or perfect. You're basically taking it back to probably what they would have had yes. in the seventies and the eighties exactly. and the nineties. And you make it look, almost like imperfect but that wabasabi that beauty in the imperfection which gets yeah. mentioned on uh, there's another podcast um the graffiti machine that's where i first heard that concept but it's like the beauty of ugliness but then that's that and it does isn't that such a, like a hip-hop production type thing i remember you saying to me when i first started to try and make beats that it's like the great thing about hip hop is, and hip hop production is, it's not always about getting it super perfect. Actually, the grubbier it sounds, often the better. Yeah, that's that's something that took me a long time to get my head around. I mean, now I've kind of got more into mastering as a way of just getting that last finishing touch on things and kind of squeeze it. But it's, it, you can't obviously redo a lot of stuff. But actually, I found it just makes you move forward quicker. You know, you haven't, you can't fall back on these kind of things that will correct things for you. So you just, you just move forward and just get it done, um, and then have a and then and then have a listen back and see if you like it. Like as simple as that. As opposed to what I used to do, which is have a listen to it, think I don't like that tiny bit of it, go back, tweak it, and then that could go on forever. And you could probably mix the, you know, the soul out of it, and it just becomes like a, a nothing. It's all about vibe, isn't it? At the end of the day, you just want a vibe, like, and that's a. People are like, what do you mean? That's quite a, quite a hard thing to decide. <laughs> what does it mean? That's just what I want. So What's I it guess, mean? It's the vibe. I guess we've been talking now for an hour and a half. So this has been an amazing journey. Um, I think you might be the first non-graffiti writer we've had on this podcast. And I just wanted to give you a chance to tell your story because it's such a, you know, we were such we, we were, we still are yeah. such close friends. No, we're not mates anymore, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> I've heard your story, don't like you no more, bruv. Um, I'm smoking a zoot, bruv. Um, 
that's a little that's a little in reference there but i just wanted to make sure that people who maybe don't know your music or i often get compliments about the music in the background and the majority of it is yours and you know there's that thing where people think oh it's not a fucking graffiti writer i don't want to hear their story but you know hearing you know when you listen to podcasts and it's maybe it's one about a certain theme and they get someone else on who isn't necessarily in that life or what in that thing you're like you, you kind of learn some stuff so where it's hip-hop is, it's hip-hop isn't it man although as we as we now know graffiti writers aren't always hip-hop which i took me a long time to realize i thought everyone was into wu-tang and i've met writers that like have never you listened have to, to be into like you don't you don't have to listen to hip-hop to be part of the culture they do that's no. the point it's a, again it's a vibe so that's what that's why it's created so you anyone in the community can be involved no matter what you're into that's the yeah. whole point yeah uh, unless you're fucking unless you're wearing gucci then you've got to be in it and if you can wear it's like no 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 no. that's old school that's the stereotypes i could have guns and jewelry and it's like <laughs> i've got no jewelry and only a couple of guns no. um so <laughs> so i i do put the um the details in the show notes and stuff like that but if people are looking to check out you know you or this one records what's the best way that they can kind of check out what you do and just have maybe have a listen or just get the, just get the vibe google away obviously all my stuff is on all the platforms like spotify or whatever you listen apple music and da, 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 da. Um, just search for it and find me um i've got a this one records website which you can find a lot of links from that's i've got other artists on my label um i'm starting to build that art if there's artists out there listening send me music because I'm always looking for new music to release myself um, also my, my latest album I'm proud to say is actually on double vinyl which is the first album I've put out properly on a double vinyl which is a bit of a bit of a thing so there's, only, there's not many of them left so if you want a, if you want a double vinyl you can get that via my Bandcamp which is just Bandcamp.frenic I think if you just type in Frenic Bandcamp into the internet you'll find me amazing and it's 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 such a again it's so it is it's almost like it's so perfect you know that you're talking about that that return part of the monomyth where you've learned all through the process to learn and become this skilled person when it comes to the technical side but now it's almost gone like full circle pun definitely intended and you're at a point where it's like you started with the vinyl then you went through the whole journey come out the other side Slayed the dragon, whoever the fucking yeah. dragon was, maybe. Dragon's a met- metaphorical dragon, isn't it? Whatever your quest is, man, that's the whole point. Like, and I think, yeah, learning all this tool, and this is probably the same you are just saying in graffiti, right? You learn all the tools and all the techniques so you know when not to do them. That's what I think. It's mm. like, I don't need to use this technique here because that is already good. Like, that's that's the real learning, I think. You just, you, you know when to leave something and go, that's actually fine. I don't need to tweak it. It's... It is what it is. It's a representation of me, and I'm done. And it's, you know, seeing your own work, like, I remember ever since I met you, I've always just been like, I remember our other mate, Tom, just going, the drums, Frenic's drums, man. I was just like, yeah, I know, I know. So on that note, I know we could go on forever. So thanks so much for this. And I am just going to stop recording. Okay, that's episode 48 done. Thanks so much to DJ Frenick for his time and chatting shit with me. Really interesting. I'm going to put his details in the show notes, but basically just Google Frenick 
with a C, F-R-E-N-I-C. And you know, he's explained where his stuff's available from. I did balls up the music, which is ironic really, on the end of this episode, you might have changed as a bit, a bit of a change in the volume, but maybe not, it's just seamless. And I'm just a perfection addict. Please subscribe, give us a five star review in iTunes. No one so far since I announced that you could win a t-shirt by giving a five-star review in iTunes podcasts or Apple podcasts, whatever it's called, could win a prize. I guess no one wants that. But thanks to anyone that's left the written five-star reviews in the past. Thanks to everyone that's listening. There's quite a few new listeners. Check us out on Instagram, toydivision underscore podcasts. And if you're getting something out of this, screenshot it, send it to a mate, um, send a mate a link, more people listening the better hopefully episode 50 will kind of just be a a look back at all the other episodes and someone else is going to interview me because I often get asked what's your favorite episode so I want to kind of go through the last 49-ish episodes and talk about some highlights anyway uh, I guess this might be the last one before Christmas have a great Christmas and um, yeah peace out toy division <laughs>